welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we've been talking about raising kids in a scary world and how values and boundaries can give our kids confidence. This week, we're going to help our kids overcome fear and empower our children to face the uncertainties of this fall. Back with me this week is a friend to help us empower our children, and this week, we're focusing on three tools to teach your girl to go from fear-filled to fearless. I love the sound of that. And Lynn is a national conference speaker who is passionate about helping women of all ages understand the importance of Christ confidence. She's the author of several books, including just released book for girls ages 8 to 12, Loved and Cherished. She also serves on the speaking and writing team for Proverbs 31 Ministries. Lynn and her husband, Greg, have been married for over 30 years and are the parents of three young adults. They enjoy spending time together, especially when it combines the mountains, well-worn sweatshirts, and anything with chocolate and peanut butter. Lynn, her family, and the occasional backyard deer live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Thanks for having me back, Denise. I'm really glad we're spending this time together. I am too. And I love the fact that you have adult daughters and I do too. It's like we've walked through all these things and my heart aches for those little girls out there who desperately need to know this great content that you have for them that can help them to be empowered and to rise above fear. So the scripture for this episode is taken from Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Back to that first promise we discussed in last week's episode. God's presence goes before and with us. We don't have to be shaken by this world when we abide in Christ and in His Word. Oh, yeah. I just I just love that. And, you know, in Psalms 56, 3, it says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And I love that David says when because... It, you know, he's admitting, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, but how do I put my trust in God? Um, Denise, when I was growing up, my family lived in a, let's say, an interesting house. And from the street, you would never know this secret that I had an attic bedroom. And this attic bedroom I shared for, um, for years with my big sisters, but they were six and five years older than me. And at one point, they moved out. And so at that point, uh, even though my friends thought I had the coolest bedroom ever, what they didn't know was that as soon as the sun went down, the super cool became super scary. Mm. And from my bed, I couldn't hear or see if there was anyone coming up the enclosed staircase. And so each night I would try to sleep in the dark, but within seconds of getting in my bed, I would convince myself that someone was there. And it didn't matter that I was way past the age when you shouldn't be afraid of the dark. I was terrified what might be there, who might harm me. Was I safe in this space all by myself? But since I was at the age that was already in the double digits, I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of my anxiety, so I kept it a secret, or so I thought. And I would suffer alone sitting for hours in my bed until I finally became exhausted and fell asleep. Or other nights when I thought everybody was in bed, I would slip downstairs and crawl in bed with my little brother. So looking back now, I wonder 
you know, why didn't I tell my parents? I'm sure that they would have helped me. They would have had sympathy for me. But why was that? Why didn't I tell somebody about my fear? And I think it was because of shame. You know, as I said, in my mind, I was way told to be afraid of the dark, but shame is powerful, isn't it, Denise? Yes, it really does cripple us. It keeps us from being ourselves, you know, whether it's labels that we believe and accept or embarrassment, you know, someone might think this or that of me. And I've uh, always said that we wouldn't have shame if we didn't have an audience. And so it's ultimately fear of man, you know, thinking uh, that they have power over us based on their definition of us. And so, uh, and it's so common and it's so pervasive in our culture and it's so difficult to rise above, but, you know, you calling it out like that, I think, I know in our family, you know, likely because I wrote the book, Shame Off You, (laughs) but we have this awareness of shame, like hyper awareness, you know, uh, when we are experiencing it and it's this, oh, wow, you know, there it is again. Uh, So being able to recognize that is a huge step in getting rid of it. You know, I think sometimes when we're talking about shame, our first instinct is to just say, well, be brave. You know, like that's a super trendy thing right now. I even wrote a book for young girls called Brave Beauty to help them find the confidence that they need in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we find, you know, words about uh, being brave on everything from t-shirts to coffee mugs, but it's not really as simple as just saying a, a cute little quip, be brave, especially, you know, right now with what we're going through and the numbers of COVID are, you know, going off the roof and uh, everything in culture feeds our fear right now. Um, the word uncertainty, which is what we've been talking about, it means that the state of being uncertain or doubt, and it appears to me to be a cousin to the word fear, like uncertainty and fear. They, they seem like they kind of hold hands. But we know that God does not want us or our children to suffer from fear, whether it's real or in my case, as a child, it was imagined. And he tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And this is one reason I write for women of all ages. And one reason that Michelle Niedert and I have written Loved and Cherished. It's because love empowers us to overcome fear, including fear of the uncertainty like we talked about in our last episode. You know, when you're talking about uncertainty, I just think about the word insecurity and wanting to find security in a world that just can't give it. Mm, You know, it's a temporary security. And that's, I think, sometimes where and why we become insecure is because we're putting it in the wrong things. And Jesus is our security and nothing could give us a security that he can. But I think sometimes while we try to find that, you know, we get disappointed again and again in things that just can't give what only our God can give us. Mm-hmm. So Lynn, what is the first of the three tools that mom can teach their girls to go from fear filled to fearless? Well, number one, share when you're scared. Mm. Make it a a normal thing in your home to share when you're scared. You know, often we don't share our fears because as we said, we feel shamed, like we're seen for being weak or immature. 
And it's legitimate that we feel that way. Like we have been shamed for being fearful. And we're told that, you know, when you have fear, it means you don't trust or you don't believe God. Or when I was young, I was told you're too old to be scared. And so we can feel afraid to share because in the past, maybe we've been dismissed. You know, I have Mm. to admit that as a parent, I did this to my kids. I remember when my daughter would step up to the softball plate and I would shoot out a scripture for her, you know, and, and maybe my intentions were right. Sometimes I know they weren't really what it was is I didn't want to deal with her fears, but here's what can happen when someone, no matter what their age shares a fear or a negative emotion. And then we're too quick to give either a positive response or what I call slapping a scripture on it. <laughs> this, this person we love can feel dismissed. They can feel shut down or that it's bad to express themselves if they can't be happy or positive or courageous. And I've experienced this dismissal. I'm guessing you have, Denise. And I'm sad to say that I've dismissed others and I've used God's word to do it. And so what we really need to do with our kids is to practice empathetic listening Mm -hmm. and and to show this child that they're loved and they're cherished by listening to what they are afraid of. So first, encourage them to share when they're scared. Awesome. And, you know, I think it is one of those things. Yes, I definitely have done the dismiss thing. And sometimes, hey, sometimes parents are shamed. (laughs) Yeah. We don't want our kid acting like that, you know, that would reflect on us. And it's like, wait a minute, (laughs) that's not correct. I remember uh, at one point, one of my uh, adult daughters um, was talking to me about her depression. And like you were saying, just listening, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was saying, why is God allowing me to go through this mom, you know, six years of battling this? And, and I looked at her and said, I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have the answer because I think that's the problem is sometimes I felt as a mom, I had to have the answers, you know, and that was going to fix it. But in that moment, we wept together, we prayed together, and I told her one thing I do know, God is going to use it for her good. You know, but it was after listening and I said, and and you're going to get the victory in this. I just know it. And she has had the victory and she's overcome and she's been with me to women's conferences where I've let her share some of her testimony. And I'm telling you, there was one women's conference where revival broke out. These women were like, if God can do it for her, he can do it for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just think that's something that I realized my daughter had at one point told me, you mom, you don't have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's certainly challenging as a mom because we want to fix everything. And ultimately, we need to point them to the one who can. Um, so I like that you're talking about regularly sharing um, our failures, our failures too, with our children. So have you experienced a failure you could share with your children that they could see that failing can turn to learning? Oh, yeah. When my kids were growing up um, is when I um, started, you know, what I thought and and I now know was a calling of God. But the reason I say what I, I thought it was a calling was because I experienced rejection so much. I was rejected 19 times over a period of five years 
um, with my first book. And some days I did great. I did the whole, you know, God's got this, God's timing is, is, you know, perfect every time. But I'll admit there was a couple of times when I just wept. I, I can still see one day when I crawled up on the floor in a fetal position and I just cried because I couldn't understand why God would call me to something and then not make it come to pass. Um, and so, you know, when while we're talking about encouraging our kids to share what they're scared of, you know, I was scared that this dream I had would never happen. But I refer to that over and over and over again today with my kids of, um, you know, the thing that I was afraid of, I really could trust God with. So good. And I think too, when we're afraid of uh, failing, it's like I was just telling my daughter yesterday, one of my daughters, I said, don't be afraid of failure. It's just pointing you to open and closed doors with God. And it might not be failure, you know, I mean, but we're all in this development process by God, lovingly by God. And what we think is the best plan (laughs) often isn't the best plan. And so I've learned to view quote unquote failure uh, differently. And I have tried to encourage my kids to do the same. Nonetheless, we're human. And so like you said, we, we there's some grieving when something we wanted to succeed at, we didn't. So this brings me to your next point, um, seeing into the future. Uh, so what's that about? I know that sounds kind of strange. So the first, the first one we said was share when you're scared. And number two is see into the future. So sometimes the roots of these fears that we have, they're dug in deep into the what ifs. And then the what ifs start swirling in the mind of our child or let's admit it into our own. And it can be paralyzing. You know, what if our, our, we had we had a second dog? You you can see why I don't have a dog today after listening <laughs> to our last episode about our dog experience. But you know, one of the what ifs in in our youngest daughter's mind was, what if our dog runs away and never returns? What if someone invades our home? What if I fail when I try out? What if the economy never comes back? What if I have to keep homeschooling indefinitely? <laughs> And so this next step of seeing into the future seems completely counterintuitive. And I know when our family counselor first presented it to our family, I thought this leads to no good, but lo and behold, it helped. Try narrating a worst case scenario in the very situation that your child is afraid of. You're like, what? Yeah, let me say it again because I know it sounds crazy, but narrate the worst case scenario in the situation. So let's say you're practicing step number one and you're, you know, your child is sharing with you what you're afraid of and you're all in, you're listening not just with your ears, but with your eyes and your body. You're not distracted by those around you, your phone, or even the thoughts swirling in your own head. You are there with this precious child of God. And after you've heard them out and you've refrained from interjecting, which is really hard for us fixers not to, not to do, <laughs> after that child has truly felt heard, you know, like you said, Denise, maybe you've even cried together, but she knows without a shadow of a doubt that she is loved and cherished by both you and God. And then, and only then head into this abnormal direction and ask her, what if your fear comes true? 
And I know that narrating a worst case scenario sounds like it would give fear more power. And it seems to go against everything you've ever heard or read about fear. But here's what can happen. When you discuss with your child what she would do if her what ifs come to pass, you empower her to face her fear with God. Mm. This exercise can take the power out of what if, because you're already looking at the what if together. And you know that even if it happens, God is there with you. Yes. As you can see, I'm getting a little emotional about Mm -hmm. that because we've done this over and over again with, with one of our children. And it has helped so much just to help her see that even if that thing comes true, God is there. So let's talk about it. Let's let's walk with her through what it would look like if her fear comes to pass. Share with her how your family would handle if your dog never came back or what your family does to protect from intruders or what she would gain by trying out even if she doesn't make it. And then have her shut her eyes and picture Jesus right there with her in that very spot of trouble because you know what? He is there. And help her see Jesus at the party when she feels awkward and help her create a picture in her mind of the reality that she can't see with her human eyes, that he is beside her as she makes a mistake at her recital. He is with her and he will help her. And the Holy Spirit is not just with her, but he is within her. Amen. So beautiful. When you were talking, I was thinking about even the moms listening right now who, if we're honest, we would also be able to say that there's moments where we're so paralyzed by fear that we don't even want to think about the worst case scenario. But one thing the Lord has taught me is that when I am in that mode, I'm envisioning the future apart from Him. Yes. Apart from His grace. Mm. His grace is enough. And I think we need to convince our souls of that. And the best way is to really be in His Word and to be just praying and asking God for that. But some of the things that I asked God to never go through in my life, well, first off, don't ever do that. (laughs) uh, uh, But I've been through them. And there were three things that I dreaded. But, you know, now I've learned whenever a fear pops up right away, it's, but your grace, God, your grace, your presence is already there. Whatever happens, and I don't have to fear. He's got our back. He is with us. And as you said, within us. So beautiful. So what is point number three? Well, if we go back again to what David said in Psalms 56, 3, David said, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. So how do we put our trust in him? Number three is we soak our thoughts in God's strength. So David could direct where he set his eyes and ears. I will put my trust in you. God expected that if he looked to God, God would help him. And this trust gave David the confidence to take the next step forward. So research tells us that our brain thinks approximately 60,000 thoughts a day. No wonder we're exhausted. And 80% of those thoughts can be negative. So if we go back to our first step of sharing when we're scared, we don't want to dismiss that these thoughts and these feelings that they are causing the fear, but also there comes a time when after they've been affirmed, 
that we need to teach our children to replace negative, fear-filled thoughts with the truth of God's word. Mm. My husband and I noticed this in, in one of our children is she begins to express how she feels and we just listen, listen, listen. And it's kind of like going around a circle. She's going around the circle and we listen and let her get all the way around the circle. But when she comes to the point of where she's going to start going around the circle again, then that's when we step in and we direct her to God's word. So please notice that this is our third step. And that's not because that I believe or, or my husband believes that God's word is the least that we can do. You know, kind of like you've heard someone say sometime, well, the least I can do is pray. No, I don't believe that at all. But if you've ever had someone shoot a verse at you when you're in pain and hurting, then the verse can feel not like something soothing, like an like ointment on, on a wound or, or even healing like a Band-Aid, but instead it can feel like an arrow that hurt and pierces even further. So rushing right to giving out scripture can possibly hurt our child or, or give our child the impression that this is, you know, God's word just, you know, comes in and, and uh, negates how I'm feeling. Hmm. God's word isn't a weapon to hurt others with, but it is a weapon all right. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, but it's a powerful weapon for fighting the enemy, the source of our fear. So now after our child has shared how they feel and and maybe we've seen into the future and, and looked at the worst case scenario, now is the time to share with them the promises and the strength and the hope that we find in God's word. So routinely go over his word with your child, not just in these times when fear is present, but but all the time, all day long, so that it's a natural part of your conversation. And when the word of God is a natural part, when we're talking about it, it gets lodged in their heart and their mind so that when they need it, when they're on the playground, at the lunch table, in a fight with her sister, or even when we're disciplining them for doing wrong, that's when the Holy Spirit can retrieve it for when our child is facing fear. Hmm. So good and so helpful. My prayer is that people won't hear these as a to-do, as in they have to try to perform this and be perfect. I think when you're talking about, um, you know, not necessarily just having a scripture right away for our kids, um, I know sometimes even sharing my weaknesses with my kids uh, because sometimes, you know, even the other day, one of my sons said, oh, we know you were the perfect child, mom. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to be like, just really share something that will give them hope that no, uh-uh, I am not perfect, you know, yeah. far from it, but I have a perfect God. And it's, mm-hmm. it's depending on him and crying out to him and admitting my fears. As you said, there's mm-hmm. such freedom in that place. You know, being willing to say, this is where I need you, Jesus. Well, this has been so good. Lynn, are there any final words you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, you know, as you and I um, are thinking about practicing these three steps of sharing our fears and seeing into the future and how God is there and soaking in the strength of God's word, the place for us to begin is with ourselves and, and in our own relationship with God as we share our fears with him and as we see him in the future, even if it's one that feels scary. And as we soak in the strength of God's word, we'll give ourselves the grace that we need. And then we will be able to in turn give that same 
grace to our children and just reassure to them how much they are loved and cherished by us and even more so by their father, God. Mm, Such good news today. Lynn, where can they find you again? Um, You can find my website at lynncowell.com. My favorite place to hang out uh, in social media is Instagram. And you can find out all about um, my new devotional, Loved and Cherished 100 Devotions for Girls at lovedandcherished.me. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being with us. It's been such a joy. Thank you. I've really enjoyed being with you. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep Podcast, where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems. (laughs) 